Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So, hello everyone. My name is Mary Esther Bertram, and I'd like to begin with a prayer. So, Lord, I come to you humbly saying, I need you. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing, your empowering grace. Just let the words that I say be your words. And I just thank you, Lord, for these people that have come. They've come because they love you. And they want to know you more, and they want to praise you with all of their hearts. So I ask that you bless them in whatever way that they need tonight. And we just lift you up, Lord. We praise you, we magnify you, we say that you are the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords, you are the great I Am. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah and we love you so much. You're our King, our soon coming King and we love you and we praise you. We thank you for being here in our midst tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight is called the Quantum power of praise, and it's like a part one, and part two will be in October, and it's quantum worship. So this is kind of like the foundation of an even deeper worship. Um, Last spring, I did a teaching called Alabaster Heart, so it was all about extravagant worship and having a pure heart for the Lord. And after I finished doing it, the Lord started speaking to me the words quantum worship. And every time he would say it, I'd get, woo, what does that mean? I want to learn about it. I want to do it. And I felt like he was saying, well, that's the next thing I want you to teach on. And so I just started trying to find books and different materials to read about and learn what is quantum worship. And this book is called Call to Rain, and it's by Leif Hetland. And we did a Bible study and a book study uh, on this book. And it's a really super awesome book. It's life transforming. And in it, Leif is sharing about a time that he went to a conference, and he said, this is the most awesome conference I've ever been to, and it's called Quantum Worship. And I was like, whoa! It was from Joe Garlington, and I was like, because I had never heard that phrase before. I had heard Pastor Tom say quantum faith, because he did a series about it, and it was amazing. And But I had never heard quantum worship before. And I think he's going to try to adjust this. <laughs> Thank you, my wonderful husband. (laughs) So I felt like that was confirmation, so I was like, well, I'm gonna look it up. So I tried looking it up, and I could only see like the first minute of it for some reason, and guess what it was about? The woman with the alabaster jar. So I was like, I feel like I'm on the right track. And then I was reading a little bit further in this book, and Leif is talking about how everyone has a destiny, and 
everyone also has to go through a test before their destiny starts unfolding. And if you think about it, all the people in the Bible had to go through a test, even Jesus. So he's talking about David in particular when he's talking about this. Many people never pass that test. They never come out of the cave or stop seeing it as a problem. David was able to turn his cave into a palace. He could see himself as royalty before he ever sat on a throne because he had learned to see himself as God saw him. That identity began to pull from heaven's resources. David's destiny was not just to kill one giant. It was to raise up an army of giant slayers. It was not just to worship at a temple. It was to create a culture of worshipers. David's destiny was bigger than David, and yours is bigger than you. And when I read that, I just started trembling and crying because I felt like that's what the Lord has called me to. Um, first and foremost, to worship at his feet extravagantly, but also to raise up a culture of worshipers. So this is from I Hear His Whisper, and it's a devotional. And the verse that goes with it is Psalm 136, one through two. Let everyone thank God for he is good and he is easy to please. His tender love for us continues on forever. Give thanks to God, our King over all gods. His tender love for us continues on forever. And the name of this is called Discover the Power of a Grateful Heart. And I was like, that really goes along with the power of quantum praise and our dance that we did on Sunday to the song Gratitude. And this is written as God is speaking. I release a power greater than any force known to man when you praise me. So that's quantum right there, our praise. And then God releases a power greater than any force known to man. You can't imagine the power that gratitude can have in your life. As you give me thanks, I refine your soul and remove regret from your life. I will free you when you give me thanks. The more satisfied you are with me, the more satisfied you will be in all areas of your life. To receive my blessings and feel overwhelmed by my generosity and love is the mark of an unselfish heart. To receive my blessings and be consumed with gratitude are marks of a true worshiper. Remember how the Israelites grumbled to Moses in the wilderness? Yet even as they grumbled, my glory cloud was over their heads. They looked at earthly things and not at me. Ingratitude is a disease that is easily spread among my people, but praises will break the curse, lift the veil, open the heavens, and provide miracles, even in a wilderness. I call you to a life of gratitude. I long for you to discover the power of a grateful heart. So this book, 
I came across on my trying to find out what is quantum worship, and it is called the supernatural power of music, a quantum leap into worship, and it's written by Lynn Mink. And I was like, wow, that sounds super cool. So Lynn Mink is a worship leader, and he's done worship for people like Catherine Kuhlman and Kenneth Hagen, but he's also like this science geeky kind of guy, and so both things are intermingled together in a way that I find fascinating. And this book is so filled with cool things, so I'll be sharing some from it during quantum worship as well. <clears throat> but on page one, he has a foreword, which is a divine proclamation. And he's saying that the Holy Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit speaking, identifying himself. I am the Holy Spirit. I am the energy, the facilitator, the builder of worlds that are launched by divine utterance. I obey the let there be command from the Father, from the Son, and from you. I am the builder of worlds, both visibly expansive and unseen. I turn words into worlds. I am the guide and map maker for destinies. Practice my presence in worship, in the word, and with each other. Hop aboard my abilities. I have qualified you to partake of the fullness of my blessings. For to abandon the confines of your self-imposed limitations and to embrace my limitless power is the pathway to divine supply and everlasting joy. So when I read the words, I obey the let there be command from the Father, from the Son, and from you, it reminded me of an experience that I had back when um, we had Hurricane Florence. And so we had put things from our back porch into the garage, and then, of course, there was debris and everything in the yard. So I'm taking a day to clean everything up and put everything back. And I thought, well, I was preparing for Flashpoint uh, at that time, and I was like, well, while I'm doing it, I'm gonna practice saying what I'm gonna say out loud as I'm working along. So I'm practicing and saying it, and my ears are hearing it, my spirit's hearing it, and I'm getting myself so excited. So I'm going along for about two hours, just over and over saying this stuff, and then all of a sudden, it was like a hot, muggy day, so I'm like, whew, I need a break. So I'm gonna go inside and take a little break. So I go inside, but the power's out, so it's all hot inside too. So I'm like thinking in my mind, well, if the power's back on, then the air conditioner would be on and it'd really feel like a break. And then so I was in my room and the thought came to my mind, say, let there be light. Cause that was a lot of the things I was saying. Say, let there be light, and believe that the power is going to come on right then. And I didn't give myself a chance to, whoa, should I really do that? Is that silly? I don't know. But I didn't. I just spoke it out, and I was like, let there be light. And when I put my hands up, there was a bunch of lights at the top of the ceiling, and they turned on at the instant my hands went up. Let there be light. And I went, whoo. 
<laughs> and I was like, whoa! I was like, run, run! <laughs> Running out, calling Teresa, guess what just happened? But I felt like the Lord was showing me, like, you're really on to something. This is truth, and it has power. Your words have power. And uh, there's a lot, there's a couple of themes that will be tonight, and one of them is light, which is amazing how the Lord worked it out. Light and thankfulness, sound, and the lion roaring. Think of the miracles in the Bible. What are some of them? Yes? Parting of the sea, raising dead, walking on water. Amen. Water from rocks. Amen. His appearing inside a locked room after the resurrection. So for years, skeptics wrote these miracles off as fiction. That changed as God began releasing the revelation of quantum physics. Okay, so today many scholars say that every miracle in the Bible can be explained through quantum physics. So science is the discipline of discovering what already exists, what God knew in his word. He gave it to us in his word all those years ago because he was the one that invented it in the first place. <laughs> so what is quantum physics? In its simplest form, it is the fundamental theory in physics which describes nature at its smallest scale of energy such as atoms and subatomic particles. And it all started with the words, let there be light. Quantum particles called light particle waves form atoms. Atoms form molecules. Molecules form objects, both living and non-living. Therefore, material objects are made up of particles. Taking it a step further, they are also made up of the forces that hold particles together. According to quantum mechanics, light is the force that keeps electrons connected to the core or nucleus of an atom. Atoms bond together, making molecules, and molecules make objects. Science confirms that all forms of matter are made up of solidified light. That's amazing to me. For eons, the biblical description of creation didn't make much natural sense. For instance, how could light exist before the sun? Now, through quantum physics, we understand that nothing could exist without light first existing. Light is the force that holds all matter together. Interestingly enough, it was sound, let there be, that gave birth to light. And all that reminds me of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The Word brought life to everything, and the life, his life <laughs> brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. <laughs> So this is my notebook, uh, which the Lord told me to get a notebook and to use myself as a case study for the quantum physics th 
faith things that I was learning. So it's prayers, answers to prayers, declarations, revelations, inspiring quotes, scriptures, and sometimes notes. And so the first is actually some notes from Pastor Tom's Quantum Faith, just to give us a little foundation. Because you can't have quantum worship without first having quantum faith. So one of Max Planck's well-known discoveries was the double-slit experiment. In this study, he learned that light waves and light particles are affected by the presence of an onlooker. When an observer was present, light waves collapsed and became light particles. Being observed changed light from one state to another. That means light acts like an organism, knowing when it's being observed. <sighs> yeah. Light is not only energy, but it seems to possess personality and expression of divine origin. So consider the revelation that an onlooker's presence can change the very form of light. This sounds like expectation or faith. So Jesus says to me, your very presence, prayers, and participation change everything around you. It allows me to express the Father's love. You're a conduit from heaven to earth. And this is really cool, too. So light waves also behave differently with each observer. The things you desire are made up of atoms. They hear your words. They're sensitive to your beliefs and respond accordingly. After all, they're all created by words. So Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves, and they obeyed him. And he did this to demonstrate to his disciples that they could do it too. So all matter is made up of atoms. You, your car, TV, weather, computer, house, literally everything. Faith is in two places. So it's in your heart, what you truly believe, but it's also in your mouth. And sometimes both are needed as led by Holy Spirit. So in the physical world, we have five senses to interpret what's going on around us. We have hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, and feeling. But in the spiritual realm, which is just as real, it operates on a higher and a different dimension, and it has different rules that govern it. So if you're trying to change something that's spiritual in the natural, you're going to get frustrated. So Newtonian physics are experiments that are repeatable with the same results. In other words, a tree falls down even when no one's watching it. But in quantum physics, there's only possibilities. Nothing's there until you look and expect. Hebrews 11.3, through faith we understand that worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made up of things which so appear. What makes them appear? You, the observer, with faith. That gives substance 
either negatively to your fears or positively to your hopes and dreams. Doing our own thing is a self-constructed prison. However, flowing with God on every level offers remarkable, non-expendable creativity, freedom, and reward. So think of this. 10% of your life is determined by what happens to you. The other 90% uh, is determined by how you respond. A consistent, authentic life of praise is the highest expression of faith to a loving, involved God. It connects us to a nonstop life of purpose, empowerment, and fulfillment, and it leads to a life well-lived. The Passion Translation, Proverbs 21, verse 21, says the lovers of God who chase after righteousness will find all their dreams come true, an abundant life drenched with favor in a fountain that overflows with satisfaction. Verse 22 says, A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high place and releases regional breakthrough, bringing down strongholds of the mighty wicked ones. We, we did that on Sunday with the keys. <laughs> And verse 23, watch your words and be careful what you say, and you'll be surprised how few troubles you'll have. <laughs> so I had been experiencing for quite a while Achilles tendonitis in my foot, going from times of it didn't hurt at all to it kind of hurt, to it was extremely hurt, really bad hurt, and would kind of like, well, should I rest it, elevate it? You know, of course I was praying and believing God, but I was also kind of mixing in, elevating it, putting ice on it, and all these other things. And it was just like, <sighs> I just got like so disgusted with <laughs> after a while. And I was like, Lord, I just, I want to fast thinking about it and talking about it and doing anything about it because I felt like that's what he was saying for me to do. And so I wanted to just fast thinking about it, and the Lord's like, don't hold back, because I would find myself sometimes holding back from dance or whatever, because I might be in pain later. And he said, don't hold back, act like you're healed. And he gave me this, because I was like, well, what do you do when it's like the pain is, go like Bishop said one time about his foot, it's going, wah, wah, look at me, look at me. And that's what it's doing. It's trying to get you to look at it and not at God. So I'm like, well, what do you, it's really hard when it's hurting like that. And he said, for my strategy was to sing the gratitude song, which is the dance we did on Sunday. And so I would really sing a lot the hallelujah part. And I would just sing it and sing it and sing it till the pain was gone. But that was like my strategy from the Lord. And um, so the word, oh, and during that time, Teresa Maple sent something to me. And, but first, let me say that it's really important what you look and expect, learning that from the quantum thing. It's huge. It's major. It's big. And I've heard so many people lately, like, they get healed, but they're looking for the pain. And, like, don't look for the pain because you're going to find the pain. Because it's what you keep looking for and expecting is what you're going to find. <laughs> so I 
was like, I kept coming up with the word hallelujah, so I'm like, I'm going to do a word study on hallelujah. So the Yahweh part means Yahweh, and H-A-L-L-E-L, Hallel, means command praise to the Most High God. H and its sub-meanings mean utter and complete light exploding in the face of utter and complete darkness. In other words, light be. I was like, whoa. So in Hebrew, it means praise ye, Yah, praise the Lord. H-A-L-A-L, Hallel, to be clear, to be brilliant, to shine, to flash forth light, to praise, boast, be boastful, to act madly, foolishly, extravagantly, think Jesus. Uh, David dancing before the Lord with all of his might. That's the word they use there. To praise, to glorify. Hallelujah. You must praise. So we kind of say, hallelujah, like I'm praising the Lord. But it's really has evolved from Hebrew, which was an imperative, which meant I command you to praise the Lord. <laughs> so when they said hallelujah, they expected somebody to say hallelujah back. So we're going to do something where I'm going to say hallelujah, and then you say hallelujah back. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, let's do it again. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, one last time, but this time I want you to stand up. <laughs> and when you say hallelujah, I want you to say it at the top of your lungs, and think of every atom and cell from your toes all the way up your body, in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul, in your mind, with all your strength. I want you to shout it as loud as you can, and let's elongate the word hallelujah. And when you do it, I want you to raise your hands up in the air, too. Okay, hallelujah. Hallelujah! <laughs> did did you feel that? <laughs> God likes that. He likes it. <laughs> so that's his presence showing up and in a just a stronger manifest way. So Rabbi Hirsch translated the root letters H L L to signify rays of light or nations from God. So through how Throughout history, hallelujah has been a radiating force as it is said or sung in prayer, in celebration, or in everyday conversation. No wonder that a word that for thousands of years has embodied spiritual power comes to people's lips even without thinking about it. Even the unsaved people will, if they have a close call or something good happened, they'll go hallelujah too. So my conclusion, when you say or sing hallelujah from a heart of worship and faith, a radiating force of light goes forth in the spiritual realm, pushing back darkness. <laughs> That's demonic sickness, curses, any form of negativity, confusion, lies, fear, strongholds. It's a powerful praise that can bring Peace, breakthrough, and miracles. It's a weapon of praise against darkness. And I think the enemy knows this sometimes even more than we do. And if you think about COVID and how we had to wear the masks and it was covering our mouth, 
and they didn't want people to sing worship songs. So it, it is clear that the way to change your world is to change your words. But the way to change your words is to change your heart. And the way to change your heart is to spend time with him and in his word and then let what's important to God become important to you. Let his perspective become your belief system. So you spend time with him and your heart changes and then your words change and then your world will change. So I also did a study on light in the natural and scriptures, what it means in the Bible, and also kingdom of light. And there's a whole bunch of really good stuff. So this is not all of it, but this is just some of the conclusions that I came from studying about light. So one of the things that light does is light heals. Its actual medical treatments are for like jaundice and different things. And I was reading in a keto book and it was talking about different things that the human body needs in order to be at its healthy best. And one of them is sunlight, as opposed to always being in the artificial light. So light rains because it shines in the darkness and the extent and the shining and raining of the believer is determined by the amount of revelation night light he or she possesses and walks in. True believers radiate the glory and brilliance of God in this dark world. Light rules, Genesis 1, 16 through 19. God made lights to govern the day and night. To govern is to rule, to exercise authority or dominion over something. What one understands, one has mastery over. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Genesis 1, 2 through 5, light organizes and creates order. Light exposes, Ephesians 5, 13. Light quickens. In other words, it produces life. Think photosynthesis. So life and light are mysteriously and inseparably linked. So this is from Lynn Mink's book. There is breaking news about the discovery of something extraordinary that happens at the moment of conception. For the first time ever, scientists have captured images of a flash of light that sparks at the very moment a human sperm cell makes contact with an egg. In brief, the egg stores up thousands of compartments of zinc to aid in the viability of the embryo at fertilization. The calcium in the sperm activates the zinc to the point of light-emitting sparks, now detectable to advanced video abilities. This light show continues for about two hours. The sperm and the egg are, by design, laden with DNA and are encoded with a complete payload of data with which to build this precious, one-of-a-kind human. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Jeremiah 1.5. This includes God's choice of gender and countless other intentional, unique qualities that will form this person's entire being. <laughs> if 
if God knew us before the womb, where were we? All along we have been in the heart and mind of God, as is his divine pattern, sound and light, brought us from the realm of possibilities into the world of physical tangibility, complete with an assigned destiny. One night at the tent, Parker Green said, Quit complaining about the darkness and just turn on the light. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really good. So biblically, light is symbolic of light, of being present with God, both in this world and in eternity. Darkness is symbolic of the absence of God, sin, Satan, demonic spirits, rulers of the darkness of this world. Satan's kingdom is the kingdom of darkness, which is fear, ignorance, hatred, deception, despair, and all kinds of evil. Ephesians 6.12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. But the light shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot understand it, nor overcome it, nor extinguish it. Light wins over darkness without a fight every time. <laughs> So, light shields, Romans 13, 12, let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So, we take up the weapons of light, which is an intentional walking in the spirit and conscious and deliberate putting off of the old. So, I love in the Passion Bible, Romans 13, 11 through 14, it's entitled, Living in the Light. To live like this is all the more urgent for time is running out. And you know it's a strategic hour in human history. It's time for us to wake up. For our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Night's darkness is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. So we must, once and for all, strip away what is done in the shadows of darkness, removing it like filthy clothes. And once and for all, we clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. We must live honorably, surrounded by the light of this new day, not in the darkness of drunkenness and debauchery, not in promiscuity and sensuality, not being argumentative or jealous of others. Instead, fully immerse yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And don't waste one moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. So, this is from Lynn Meek's book. Modern quantum theories suggest that sound is at the very inner core of all creation down to the most minute subatomic particle, thus making sound the very fabric of the universe. Every savvy retailer understands the selling power of sound, especially music. Most products advertised for sale have some sort of jingle, sound effect, or musical hook attached to them. The human mind remembers information transported in song more than the spoken word. It's very difficult to become immune 
to music's persuasive power. Remember how easy it was to learn the ABCs when you sang it in a song. So sound is used in education, science, healing, psychotherapy, research, manufacturing, medicine, sports, religion, and virtually every area of life on the planet, including the military. The long-range acoustic device, LRAD, is a sound cannon developed by the military. This weapon, along with ultrasonic weapons, uses sound to injure, disorient, incapacitate or kill an opponent. In Second Kings, chapter 7, verses 5 through 7, Elisha gave a word to the Israel army. So at twilight they set out for the camp of the Armenians. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenian army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. So God uses the sound of our praises to make the enemy flee in seven ways in the spiritual realm. So the more we understand about our, the power and purpose of sound, the more we can benefit from its riches. Only humans gifted with choice can create or destroy with the mighty power of sound. So this made me think of a couple of things, and one is we've been standing for life, and recently uh, the pro-choice people have been standing as well because of the stirring up of the Roe versus Wade. And one of the things that really stood out to me uh, was one of the ladies was talking to one of the men in their group, and she said, I want you to play some music. And they have the like this big boombox speaker thing. And she I can't remember exactly what she said, but she had like a list of different things of how she was describing this music to be. She said, I want it to be raunchy, perverted, profanity, uh, lewd, sexual. I mean, like this whole long list of the ways that she wanted this mu music to be and play it loud. And if there's a cover of a naked lady on it, even better. So it's like she was very intentional about the music that she wanted played. And I was like, whether she knew the depths of it, the enemy knows. He knows that when music like that and F word and everything going in the music very loud is because it's going out into the airways and it affects people and can slime them and, and everything. And so I've brought my little speaker and we play worship, but it's kind of small, but at least we could hear it. So we're working on maybe getting a bigger one. But just that the enemy knows this, and that also reminded me of a time when Teresa Maples and, and Karen Clark and I, we went to go support B at one of the Board of Education meetings, and we just came to pray and support her, and we were standing in a hallway in a line, and we were in the minority, I guess you could say, 
because everyone else seemed, or a lot of people had opposing viewpoints. So we're like, well, it's taking a long time. While we're standing here, let's pray. So we held hands, and we're praying in the name of Jesus. And this man in front of us brought out this little trumpet. And it wasn't a toy, but it wasn't a real trumpet either, but it was loud, like hurt your eardrums loud. And the sound it made was one of those, you know, like it was just obnoxious. So whenever we would say the name of Jesus, he would toot his horn, and then we would get louder, and he would, and then we started singing louder and louder, gonna hear my praises roar. We started singing that song. So it was like in the spirit realm, this clash was happening, and it was just like the enemy knows the power of music, the sounds, the different sounds and the words in it. And we as Christians need to utilize the power of praise and worship even greater than we are doing. So I wanted to show a video of this young boy named Willie Myrick. And I tried to get... Uh, permission from Christian Broadcasting Network, but they haven't heard back from them, so I just urge you, when you get a chance, to look it up. It's Willie Myrick, The Power of Praise video, and he has a yellow shirt on. It will really bless you, and um, he gets kidnapped and put in a trunk of a car, and he just starts singing praises to the Lord and just keeps singing and singing, and the kidnapper ends up just letting him out of the trunk and letting him go. So he literally got saved by praises. But it's also really sweet because he talks just about Jesus, and it's just really evident that Jesus is so real to him, and he has such a pure faith. But it was, it was really cool. It's M-Y-R-I-C-K. That was really cool. So this is... Arise, My Darling, it's a devotional by Julie King. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and their other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Acts 16, 25 through 26. So everything about this moment was supernatural. The prisoners and even the very prison walls heard a new sound, one they'd never heard before. When the atmosphere became saturated with worship, the ground began to shake. The prison doors flew open and everyone's chains fell off. This was a supernatural, miraculous moment of freedom for those with no hope of freedom. So worship preceded the breakthrough. Let me say it again. So worship came before the breakthrough. Worship caused the breakthrough. <laughs> so when we're praying and believing for a breakthrough, your greatest position is worship. So you have to determine now that no matter what, I'm going to praise God through the problems. 
not for the problems, through the problems, because when you are waiting for a breakthrough, there's a battle for your faith going on, because if the enemy can rob you of your belief of the goodness of God, then you'll stop standing and stop holding on to the unswerving, unchanging, unmovable character of God. So your worship must get louder, and your declamations must get stronger, even if you have to do it with tears running down your face, do not move from your place of worship until the ground shakes, the prison doors fly open, and all of the chains fall off. <laughs> so this is from Joseph Garlington's book. Worship the Pattern of Things in Heaven. One of the things undergirding the expansion of the kingdom of God is a new concept of praise. Something mighty has taken place in the earth. Praise and worship are at the center of what's happening. You and I can stand here and worship with other believers and affect nations. The shockwave of our praise is unaffected by Distance, different time zones, different languages, cultures, and political systems. It is a spiritual force to be reckoned with, and the church is just now catching on to this truth. David's earthly kingdom expanded phenomenally, and it cannot be attributed to anything other than his commitment to worship and praise. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. So new in Hebrew is hadash, new, fresh, repaired, rebuilt. So Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven, got kicked out, and now he twists everything, which is where we get the word wicked. So you need to be very careful about what you are, songs you are listening to, and especially what you are singing along with. And so we have a great example, Jennifer went out on one of our nights of evangelism, and there was a lady that was being very resistant to the Lord, and the Lord gave Jennifer a word that she was listening to music that was keeping her sad and grieving and keeping her blocked off from God, and the Lord said, stop doing that, and I have a new song for you, and the song was This Little Light of Mine, <laughs> and so after that, the lady was open, her heart melted, and she was open to receiving from the Lord. So that's what a, to me, like a new song is a song that comes from the Lord, and it's for a specific timing. Um, it's to bring in a move of God, to bring transformation. So that's an example of a new song in an individual's life. But there's also a new song that is a, can be like a corporate movement. And <clears throat> it was really cool because Pastor Tom sent out this song about the glory train. <laughs> and uh, it was a really cool older song, and it's kind of like a bluesy kind of, it's really cool. And so he sent it out, and then afterwards, I could hear in my spirit, I can hear Brent from Agape Tribe. I can hear him singing that song, and he's prophesying words over us because it's kind of like that song, but it's a new song. And then I was talking to him on Sunday, and he said that the Lord gave him a, a, a song 
to the glory train song. So it's like it comes from God because it has a specific timing and a purpose that God wants to accomplish. And um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, so did you know that there is a difference between a worship leader and a lead worshiper? So a lead worshiper is one that's been alone with God in the secret and gone deep connecting with God's heart, and they don't perform, they impart. Uh, somewhere around the first of the year, I had a dream, and in it, there was a big building, which I just knew. It meant the church, not just Global River, but the church, with a lot of people in it, God's people, and a they came in, and they were like, we got to test you for COVID, and if you have it, then we're going to quarantine you, and you can't go anywhere, and it was like everybody and myself were just kind of going along with it. We knew they were like, whoever they were, <laughs> um, they were manipulating and controlling and intimidating, but we were just kind of going along with it, and then all of a sudden, I was like, where's Ron? I hadn't seen him in a while, and somebody was like, they took him, and when I heard that, it was like, uh, in myself, I'm like thinking, no, but instead, what came out was, roar, and it was, <laughs> it was the roar of the Lion of Judah, and when it went out, it was like you could see the vibrations, and immediately, Ron was brought back, and I woke up, and, but the dream was so real, I was like literally crying tears of happiness that he was back, <laughs> and, uh, but I felt like the Lord was saying, you've got a lion inside of you, <laughs> just like the song, that your voice is powerful and we need to use our voice because it is a weapon given to us by God. He's inside of us, so the lion is inside of us. And this is from The Furious Sound of Glory by Jeff Jansen, and it is really awesome as well. So the sound of the roar of the line of the tribe of Judah is being released upon this generation. It will change and restore everything it touches right down to the core structure and subatomic level. Once released, the roar of the Lord shatters the opposition, unfreezes the inhabitants of the land, and turns hearts of stone into hearts of flesh and blood. Those sounds and prophetic worship movements create breakthrough, which enables the transformation of the regions in which they live, revealing the intentions and purposes of God. Now, in our time, a generation must arise and wake up from its slumber to release the fresh new sound of heaven. <laughs> and this is um, from Bill Johnson. And... <laughs> And this is just amazing uh, how many of the different aspects that have been brought up this has in it. So Acts 2.2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The sound came upon the disciples' prayer meeting after Jesus' death did, in fact, carry a reality from that world into this one. This heavenly sound transformed the atmosphere over the city of Jerusalem. In one moment, it was changed from the city that crucified Jesus, 
to a city that wanted to know how do we get to be saved? How did that happen? Through sound, a sound from heaven. Both sound and light are vibrations. And on this day, it was the vibration of heaven that introduced a different drumbeat to a city that was unaware of whose drumbeat they were marching to. For the first time they could see, the house of God is the gate of heaven. Remember, it's the house built on the edge of two worlds. And right here we see the effect on its surrounding when they become open to what God is doing. There was a literal release of something from that world through the gate into this one, and a city was positioned to experience unfathomable change. The heavenly sound was heard and experienced on earth. The roar of heaven summoned this city to its purpose and call. In this moment, two worlds collided, and the inferior realm of darkness gave way to the superior nature of his kingdom. We have the unique privilege of carrying his presence and doing so, we cause this kind of conflict so that these two re realities called heaven and earth could dance together in perfect harmony. So Psalm 149, way back when I got saved about 20 years ago, and about that first year I st started dancing, but when I was would have quiet times with the Lord, um, he would tell me these things that were happening in the spiritual realm when we were dancing and worshiping. And at that time, I didn't know of any books that were written about this, hadn't heard anybody say anything, and I was kind of like, whoa, that's kind of wow, that's out there. But at the same time, my heart was like, I know that's God telling me this. And it so transformed my life that I have one, Psalm 149, on my license plate. So I always have to bring it up when I do a teaching about it, but uh, this time I felt like just read it from the Passion Version, which they didn't have the Passion Version when I was first reading this, but it just says it so eloquently. Psalm 149, triumphant praise. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's time to sing to God a brand new song so that all his holy people will hear how wonderful he is. May Israel be enthused with joy because of him, and may the sons of Zion pour out their joyful praises to their king. Break forth with dancing. Make music and sing God's praises with the rhythm of drums, for he enjoys his faithful lovers. He adorns the humble with his beauty, and he loves to give them the victory. His godly lovers triumph in the glory of God, and their joyful praises will rise even while others sleep. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths, for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. These warring weapons will bring vengeance on every opposing force and every resistant power to bind kings with chains and rulers with iron shackles. Praise-filled warriors will enforce the judgment doom decreed against their enemies. And that makes me think, does that mean there are some things that will not be enforced unless the saints are praising God? 
and that could be individually or corporately. And so it sounds like it to me. Praise-filled warriors will enforce the judgment doom decreed against their enemies. This is the glorious honor he gives to all his godly lovers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so when you really get this revelation deep down your, in your spirit, what is happening, then it will change the way you worship, the amount of time that you worship and the intensity with which you worship. So one of the things that kept coming up was that all creation is listening to our sounds. And I had an experience on my back check, and it was in December. Ron and I had gone to Ohio over Christmas for a week or so, and we came back, and it was this beautiful day where you could wear a tank top and shorts, and I'm sitting outside, and I have a bird feeder enjoying my cardinals, and <coughs> I'm thinking, oh, I haven't seen the hummingbird today because we have ones that are year-round, and we'd been gone, so and I hadn't seen it, so I just had this thought, I wonder if they left while we were gone. So I d without thinking, I was just like, hummingbird, where are you? Are you still here? And I mean, instantly, he flew out of the tree, and he came up to me right like inches from my face, turned his little head, and just hovered there like, yeah, I'm here, what do you want? <laughs> but so I know that he heard me, he knew I was talking to me, and I felt like the Lord was just showing me, like, it, it's deeper than you think, that you can even realize. And so now I have a question for you. Would you rather have... $500,000 free and clear right now in cash or would you rather have one penny a day doubled over 30 days? <laughs> yes. So you made a wise choice. <laughs> So if you chose a penny a day doubled over 30 days, after a week, you would only have 64 cents. Two weeks, you would have $81.92. In three weeks, you'd have 10000 and some odd, but that's still nothing compared to 500000 But by the 27th day, you'll have 671000 some odd dollars. The very next day, the 28th, you'll have one million and some odd dollars. The next day after that, the 29th, you'll have two million and some odd dollars. And then on the 30th day, you will have $5,368,709.12. So what I felt like the Lord was showing me through this is we put in our little penny a day. And then God does the quantum double it. And as we go along, we, and it, I think this is like a kingdom principle, and it works with anything. Uh, it's not always exactly 30 days, but it's a season. And if you keep putting in your little penny, your little penny, your little penny, and God's doubling and as long as you don't give up, and then you have to start over again, and you keep pressing in, then you'll get that $5 million reward. And I think that's where we get the suddenlies from. 
as people are like, you hear of Todd White and Heidi Baker and the Parkers have said, we prayed and prayed and prayed for people and nothing happened. Then all of a sudden, they're seeing signs and wonders. So don't give up because <laughs> the Lord's doubling and he's doing his part. So did you know that unity has a sound? So what I'm referring to is a place where the throne of God will literally come down upon a corporate people who have one focus alone, the presence of Jesus. There was a sound released in 2 Chronicles 5 when they lifted up their voices, one, with the trumpets and shouted the goodness of God. There was a sound of unity in Acts 2 when the disciples were in the upper room and one accord and one heart and mind waiting, praying, contending, and fasting together for that promise. And when that promise came, it did as a sound of a rushing mighty wind. So Chuck Pierce was in Philadelphia of this year, March of this year. He was in Philadelphia and prophesied over the Carolinas. There is a prosperity anointing that comes from unity. There is going to be a new unity in the Carolinas that produces a new anointing in America. It can only come from the Carolinas, and the Lord said it will cause wrath and greed to be uprooted, so I want to set a bloodline over you because you are upgrading. You're uprooting greed, wrath, bloodshed, division, broken covenant my now father i say right now the carolinas are coming into an anointing an anointing it's about the anointing in the carolinas there's an anointing going to come out of the carolinas there's a move of god a breaker anointing coming out of the carolinas get ready i am sending you forth to bring forth the breaker anointing at the gates <laughs> So I wanted to close with a couple of things from my notebook. So I personally believe that this is the end times. But whether you believe that or not, as a Christian, I know that you believe that one day you will be standing before God. And on that day, all that's going to matter is to get to hear him say, well done. So actually, it was, I think it was Friday, Ron and I watched this movie <laughs> called The Peanut Butter Falcon. <laughs> and uh, is fair warning, it does have some cussing in it, which I don't like, but it still has some good, cool parts. So it's about this young man, I guess he's about in his 20s, and he has Down syndrome, and he's in a nursing home because he doesn't have any family to take care of him and he just keeps watching this video about this pro wrestler who's like come to my school and learn how to be a pro wrestler and he's like that's what I want to do and so he's like I want to live you know I don't want to be stuck in this place so this older guy that he roommates with helps him escape. So he escapes in the middle of the night. He's running down the road, and you know how they had the soundtrack playing? Well, guess what song was playing? The Glory Train song. Oh, I looked over at Ron, I was like, what? <laughs> I'd never even heard that song before till you said it. <laughs> so he's running down the road, and he jumps into this boat, and he hides under the tarp. And this other guy named Jake comes, jumps in the 
into the boat with him because he's running too because these guys who have a crab pot business that he destroyed, they're after him and they got guns and stuff. So they're in the boat and they're zooming along and uh, so they end up journeying together because they're both on the run and they're kind of going in the same direction. So they're kind of an unlikely duo that kind of gets together. So at one point, Jake, and he, he's called the Peanut Butter Falcon because that's his pro wrestler name. So the Falcon's like, well, Jake's like to the Falcon, we got to cross this river because we've got to get away from these crap pot guys. And it's this really wide river. And the Falcon's like, but I can't swim. So he rigs up this thing with trash bags and blows them up so it's like a float, puts a rope around him, you know, and he's like, he's going to pull him while he's floating along across this really big river. So the falcon's like, are we going to die? And Jake's like, well, you're going to die sometime. It's not a matter of when. If it's a matter of when, you're going to die. The point is you want to live your life in such a way that they'll tell stories about you when you're gone. <laughs> so they're about halfway through the river, and this huge shrimp boat comes along, how they have those things on the side, and it's coming down fast, and they're in the middle, so there's no turning back. So Jake's like going as fast as he can, pulling him along, pulling him, pulling And so they get to the edge, just barely almost get run over and killed. So Jake's like laying on the edge of the bank going, <laughs> and the falcon comes up, pulls him up. He's just like, now that's a story to tell. <laughs> so when it's all said and done, would you rather be on the couch or would you have rather been dancing in the rain? Would you rather be quiet and scared to say something? Or would you rather be like Esther and speak up and save people's lives? Would you rather be like Michael, judgmental and critical, standing back? Or would you rather be like David, right in the middle of things, a man after God's own heart? Would you rather be like the spies that got discouraged and gave up? Or would you rather be like Joshua and Caleb, taken back to land? <laughs> Would you rather whine and complain, or would you rather be like Paul, singing in prison, setting the captives free? <laughs> so it's totally up to you. So there's a saying in sports, leave it all in the field. And that means when they get in the game, they're like, I'm going for every bit of my being, all my physical strength, my courage, my determination, no matter what the score is, no matter how big the other guys are, no matter if you're tired, no matter if you're hurt, I'm leaving it all on the field. And in the military, they have a saying, leave no one behind. So we're not all Billy Graham or Ron Hart Bonnke, but we all have a sphere of influence. And we have people that God wants to share his love and tell them about Jesus. So you will never regret praising God. You'll never regret showing the love of God to those around you. So thinking in military terms, I charge you, my fellow soldiers in the army of the Lord. There are moments in life to retreat, 
But this moment, this time in history is not that time. For myself, for Americans, for Christians all over the world, this time is a time to advance, to move forward in purpose, power, passion, and praise. I'm really proud of you. That was awesome. Good job. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Man, I'm excited to go look at quantum physics again. It's like quantum faith is like, I love some of the amazing statements, right? You want to change your world? Change your words. You want to change your words? Change your heart. You want to change your heart? Get in his presence. That's a fact. And so this sets up really next week. We're going to take four weeks and we're going to go into deliverance. But one of the things I realized when we were uh, starting out doing inner healing deliverance stuff is we weren't really convinced of our authority. <laughs> so we would like, we sure hope God shows up. And, and as we became more and more aware in faith how big he was and who we were in him. So that thing about you know, Newtonian physics is repetitive. You turn on the light and the light works. You turn on your car, it works. It's repetitive, right? In quantum, it's the possibilities. And I love this. When they did the experiments, when, we, when I studied this in physics, uh, in, in uh, reactor physics, it's that possibility. So there's this thing where you as the observer, it changed the outcome by the observer who was looking at it at that time. And so what you carry, what you're being birthed in, and what you believe is what you carry when you walk into the environment. That's why it changed. I'm getting electrocuted right now. So there's th that possibility in quantum faith is what happens when we start praying and believing. That's why it's so awful when you have unbelievers or those who are skeptics or those who are critical, those who are not unified, they don't allow the blessing of the Father. Psalm 133, that's why you got to get rid of all this slander, this, all this anger, because, man, we're, we're on a journey into a depth with him. We've got to come into like faith. That doesn't mean we have to like each other, but... You just got to love each other. You don't have to agree with everything. You got to forgive because if you don't, you won't be forgiven. Matthew tells it. Jesus tells us in Matthew. So this is that place where let's come together with all the possibilities. And I love that. The light show of when, a, when the light first comes into the being, right? When a sperm and the egg activate and this creation of a new human being and this light, they've been able, I've seen it, the pictures of it, when it electrifies, right? It's like, Man, it, that is God breathing life, right? So, come on. We, Lord, I just ask, we're, we know we're on a depths of a journey that is, that it's deep. It is really, really deep. And we need people of like faith. That's why we're going into this thing with, all, we're, we're all in. We are all in. And so, Lord, I thank you. We, we have the possible, Sunday was awesome. I love the keys and everything. There is a city, there is a region that God will offer to us if you'll believe. There are people that will be alive forever if we will enter into that place together and get over our petty garbage. I mean, we just got to get past all this stuff. There's a level of maturity that's got to come in. And so, Lord, I just pray, Father, an activation of the release of revelation. And, Lord, change us. from the. In You're the one who changes everything. One moment with him changes everything. 
So I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We honor you. We thank you. Activate this word in our hearts. Capture us again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.